Welcome to the last episode of No Ride Around for 2019. This is it. This is the end of the year. Dude, the last episode of this thing that started, you know, January of last year. Yeah, man. Got 24 episodes up-ish. This is crazy. Hey, you want to do this podcast? <laughs> sure. Sure, why not? Hey, you want a second job? <laughs> right? <laughs> that costs you money? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's fun though. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm super happy that we're doing it. Uh, seems to be the community surrounding us is enjoying it. So for as long as that's a thing, let's keep, uh, let's keep doing it. Oh, dude, I leave these sessions feeling so full. And then, and then beyond that, when we get these messages, be it in our socials or through the website or just people that we know talking, yeah. yeah. You know, um, we talked about the 2020 goals, how to make goals. Mm -hmm. We did that a few episodes ago. And I didn't connect the dots because sometimes we tape these and then they come out, you know, a week or two weeks or three weeks later. Yeah. Right. And I remember I had a big surge of people texting me a bunch of their race plans oh. and a bunch <laughs> like, of their, what the hell? And I'm like, dude, I'm really the guru in there. And, and then I realized like, dude, we just launched an episode that asked people to share <laughs> their plans. And, Cause for a second there, I like, I was patting my back at You're in like, a place. Man, I'm really have. doing this yeah. good. <laughs> I'm a person of inspiring people. <laughs> <laughs> you nerd <laughs> yeah so um well, all the same lots of fun so far um uh, and it seems like everybody else is enjoying it so you guys got to put up with at least another 12 months of this nonsense so let's stick with the fun this episode is going to be a good time yeah so i think in both of our professions there can be a lot of disconnect between what we know to be professionally true and what the customer or the consumer or the client's perception of a thing is. Right. And so the initial format, in my mind, when, when we kind of talked about this episode, was I was just going to talk about bike shit and like try to dispel some, some commonly held misconceptions, and you were just going to talk about gym shit. And then I started realizing if we followed that format, it was going to come off as us kind of sounding maybe a little bit defensive about things. Like in my mind, when I started thinking of the things that I would address, if it was me just addressing bike shop stuff, it was going to be, dude, bike shops are really good. Like you should just support, like, you know, it was going to come off as, as, as not how I, it wasn't going to come off fun. Right. And I, I expressed that to you when you came up with, I think a really cool solution, uh, which was you're going to ask me about bike shop shit and I'm going to ask you about gym shit. And I'm going to ask you the questions that, you know, most people probably want to ask. Or, some, you know, someone's come across that, man, I wish I could ask them that. But, dude, there's no way I can ask them that. Now, you know? an important part of this format working, just like when we did the rules back on uh, episode one of this season, was I don't know yours and you don't know mine. No clue. Like... You actually, I, I I was looking at my phone before we started this, and I said, I thought I sent that. And you're like, dude, don't. Like, there was alarm in your voice that you thought I was sending you my Yeah, my I want things. this to be genuine. Super uh, raw. 
genuine responses to questions that I want to see behind the curtain, right? Yeah. And, you know, again, I think, and we were just saying right before we started recording, I think we both struggled a little bit because we're probably so far in it. So maybe a good follow-up to this episode would be some uh, some audience interaction where you guys ask us some questions, like email us through or message us or direct message us on things that maybe we don't cover because we live in this shit. Right. And so know? we can get, yeah, we can kind of lose sight mm-hmm. of, but I tried to, like in coming up with questions, I tried to get, you know, try to get to be newbie status again. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Um, and I've got some that I know you're just going to get fired up about oh, too. <laughs> well, without further ado, I'm going to take one more sip of my adult soda. Yeah. Um, I like how LaCroix write, they literally write innocent on the yeah. can now. Tastes like peach flavored TV static. Um, I, I believe the flavor is called Pomplamoose. Ah, yes. Uh, All right, fire away. All You're right. first. All right, I'll go first. <laughs> I kind of wanted to save this one to the end, but I'm just going to do it on the front end and get you all lathered up for the whole episode. Oh, great. Dude, I just worked out. I definitely earned this bad meal. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, but that's the conception, right? That's yeah. what people think. Yeah. Um, your body is not like the... Rules of accounting, right? There's two rules of accounting. There's like FIFO and LIFO, right? And LIFO is like last in, first out. Mm-hmm. So the last bit that goes in is the first to come out, and that's the way they do accounting. <laughs> I learned that way back in the wind, whatever. And uh, that's not the way the body works, right? Yeah. And and let me ask you this. How long did it take you to get as tall as you are now? A long time. Okay. You know? well, from birth to one years old, you double in size. Mm-hmm. And that's the fastest growth rate in your lifetime. You never grow at that rate ever again. The rest of it's this kind of long, slow slog of a deal. And that is just, that's how you've become the human that you are, which is a pretty glorious transformation from like this little thing to like Harley, gamer, biker, podcaster. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's you. And then you think that your body's going to immediately just like instantly in this one category only be <laughs> hypercharged through like the just like freaking whoa, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure phone booth speed warp speed of fixing your dumbass decision. I'm going to eat this ice cream cookie sandwich and then I'm going to go do 30 minutes of cardio and it's like I didn't even eat the ice cream cookie sandwich. Yeah. Just that's just it's just a, it's not how the body works. So you can't do it. Yeah. Like and if we want to get really into it, why well, it really gets frustrating. If you're trying to go to a gym so that you can keep eating cupcakes and have no ill effects whatsoever, you also better get with Juan Ponce de Leon and find the fountain of youth because age will not allow that to be the case. Just because when you were 16, you could eat zebra cakes and like go run for a mile, you're not 16 anymore. So it's just, and, and people get kind of frustrated with that. But the, it, would you say it's the kind of the, the good rule there is, um, like no amount of exercise can outrun a bad diet kind of yeah, thing. You know, and you know, we had, I love Clint. He used to say that all the time, right? You can't out train a bad diet and it goes all, it goes across the board, right? Yeah. Um, it goes across the board. I just so, know that one workshop. It, dude, it, it, I, it's just well, <laughs> the it, number of times that, you know, cause I, I think, and maybe there's a, you know, a, after, um, one of the Leadvilles that we did together, you definitely ate cheese. I saw you eat cheese. Yeah, no, there's... Okay, so there's a truth to calorie deficit, yeah. right? 
uh, I did a race, you know, a weekend ago and I burned 6,000 calories. My dad's like, we were visiting him and he's like, well, what do you want to have uh, post meal? And I go, it literally doesn't matter. Yeah. He's like, no, but like Lori, no, his wife, Lori knows that like, you don't eat unhealthy. I go, dude, I'm going to burn 6,000 calories. It literally will not matter what I eat afterwards. Yeah. So, but that's afterwards. Yeah. Okay. And not like after 30 minutes or 45 minutes or some dinky, like it's, it's a, yeah, a do you, big effort yeah. equals a, a slight misstep. Right. Do you know how much, do you know how much you need to eat to be able to go do a 45 minute effort? Not much. Like none is yeah. the answer yeah. to your question. Like not to, like if you yeah. eat a, a good meal plan consistently, yeah. like none, just you can go do it. Right. Right. Yep. Um, but yeah, when you're in a calorie, but, and by the way. After I burned six thousand calories, do you want to know what I had as the? Do you I'd love to was? know actually. Yeah, it was it was beef stew, homemade beef stew. So it was a beef broth, and it was cut up vegetables and slices and, and, of beef. beef. Yeah, it was sounds, beef stew. Sounds delicious. I didn't even have a roll. Yeah, they had rolls, no roll. Now, yeah, yeah. So it just it doesn't work. <laughs> like just think about it that way. If it takes a really long time to get here, why do I think that this is going to happen like hyper speed? It's probably not the case. And you know, to to be clear, this is for somebody with a set of goals. If you don't have goals and you're not trying to better your physical like yeah do whatever do whatever but but don't it, talk about it too yeah oh dude that's the worst yeah. right you have like an out of shape friend who like is like oh i'm just out of shape and they're like eating like yeah. cupcakes right then as they're saying it yeah like, dude you just that like this yeah. is stupid so so yeah it, if if you have goals in mind step away from the beer after the bike ride Okay, so I'm glad that you started off with fire because I'm going to fight. What do they say? They say fight fire with? With fire or more fire. Here's my first question for the bike shop. So, bro, like if I buy these parts online, will you just put them on my bike for me? I mean, we will, but not for free. But why not, dude? Like you guys can do that stuff so easily. It's like super easy to do. It's hard, man. Um, I get, you know, bikes are expensive and... Bike parts are expensive, and mountain biking can be discouraging because you break stuff. Sometimes you get something brand new, and you immediately break it. I've done it. I bought a brand new helmet, crashed my face off. Not a brand new helmet anymore. I had to put it in the trash. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's just there's a, a certain way that certain industries make money so that they can have the lights on and pay good staff members who know how to put that shit on. Um, part of that is in selling the actual pieces. But the other side of that is the labor. Um, you know, just because we can do it easily doesn't mean it's easy to do. Um, you know, in the case of the people that work at base camp, I think all of us have 20 plus years experience, so we can do it easily. But 20 years ago, we were learning how to do it easily. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it really just boils down. It's not we're being mean or we're mad at you because you bought the parts online. Um, at the end of the day, um, and I tell people this all the time, I get it. I get sometimes you just got to find the deal where you find the deal. And believe me when I tell you that <clears throat> nobody that works for us really holds any ill will if you bring your parts in. Um, one of the guys I grew up with at Bicycle Michaels <laughs> uh, back in New Orleans, he compared it to... Uh, bringing your steak to a steakhouse and asking them to cook it for you they're like sure no they won't (laughs) (laughs) they will not so you know this is a you know there are things that people will will do um in a bike shop setting that they would never imagine doing right somewhere else um and you know the restaurant you know 
is is a is an easy thing to point to. You would never go to a restaurant and be like, "Hey, man, I bought all these ingredients. Will you make me dinner?" Right. They throw you out on your head. Right. Um. So yeah, I mean, it really. At the end of the day, a bike shop has to earn some money to keep the lights on, and the reason that we won't do it for free is because we spent a long time getting good at it, and we have we have. We have bills we got to pay. I like that you said it. It may take us only five minutes, but it didn't take five minutes to learn it. No, it I mean, five minutes. you know, yeah, I, there are things that sometimes I do. Um, and, and hey, not for nothing, guys, honestly, <clears throat> for our regulars, they'll come in and they'll need a tweak here or there, and it'll take three minutes. And lots of times we'll just let people go. I mean, we're not trying to nickel and dime people. We're really not. But I will. So and I, I'm going to stay on my side asking these questions, but. <laughs> I have to tell this quick little aside. I got uh, Santa Cruz Stigmata this year, uh-huh. and it came in the box, right? It got dropped off here. Yep. And um, I'm super impatient, and I go, well, I'll, <laughs> I'll take it home, and I'm just going to put it together at home. Now, in my defense, when the Orbea bikes came earlier this year, they come almost assembled. Yep. Like it's, I have a decent amount of bike put together knowledge, right? Enough that I could do the Orbea level, right, of the build. The Stigmata was 100% unbuilt. Like yeah, it was, a, I mean... Part the, for part. The hydraulic lines weren't connected. I mean, nothing was... I don't even think the fork was cut. No, like, there was there was literally nothing put together. just all the raw parts. And I'm, I opened it up, and I spread out all the parts. And I looked at it, and I was just... I, I could have been looking at, you know, I, anything. Like, <laughs> the back of the refrigerator, like, where it's got those weird grates and stuff, yeah, all taken apart. I'm like, I, I don't even know what... Just yeah. don't lay it down on its side. And I was so intimidated... I boxed it all back up. And brought, I was like, brought it right back yeah, over. Yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. So, yeah, guys, it's not that we're mean. And, and like I said, just to, to to rehash it, we're not mad at you if you got to find a deal. I get it. But we do need to to earn some money. So that that's it. That's the only reason. Cool. Um, I'm going to jump around a little bit here. Um, <laughs> um, I'm going to combine two. Okay. Bro, I I I am just an endurance. I'm a runner. I'm a cyclist. Um, I just wanna I just wanna lose some some fat. So I'm just gonna do cardio. I don't really think I need to weight train. Okay, well, let's just talk about some more science, shall we? <laughs> Incidentally, guys, I made this <clears throat> mistake this year. <laughs> so, um, okay, when it comes to endurance sports, running, riding, swimming think triathlon okay these events doing that event as much as possible will make you better at that type of event you want to be really good at running you need to run a lot you need to be really good you want to be good at cycling you need to ride a bike a lot and and likewise for swimming um you just you can't refute that that said weight training won't necessarily make you a better bike rider right but it will make sure that you can bike ride without getting hurt and you can bike ride longer without having damage. Every time we do anything, like when you stand up out of this chair, when you walk down the stairs, when you walk down the street, when you walk your dog, like everything you do, every activity you do, there is an effect on your system. And if your system is breaking down, then those effects are going to be greater and greater and greater. As you age, your system's breaking down. Period, without effect. Um, the numbers on women are, are the ones I tossed out most often, but uh, 
woman past the age of 40 will lose one and a half percent of muscle mass every year um, until she dies, unless she's strength training. So if you're slowly just losing muscle, okay, even if it's super small, say it's less than a percent a year of muscle mass, you're losing a super small amount of it. Well, that walk down the stairs now is a bit more wear and tear on your body. That walk up the stairs, that bike ride, that run, that mountain climb, that hike, that whatever, that picking up your kid, it's just a little bit more. And when your muscles are overloaded, that impact goes into connective tissue, into joints, into all, all, all the little stuff, all the little stuff, which is where we feel aches and pains. So you get somebody in their 40s or 50s, 60s, I used to ride so much longer, but I can't now. It just hurts my knees. I used to run a lot more, but my ankles and my hips, it just hurts. If you ask those people, odds are they probably weren't on a very good strength training program or a smart strength training program. What they were doing was just doing the activity that they loved. They may have been professional at it, but that's all that they did, and they didn't have any backup. When you get up and you walk out of your chair today after listening to this, that's a very quad-heavy activity. When you run, that's a quad-heavy activity. So when you go and do these things time and time again, your quads get beat up, your knees start to feel that as your quads tighten. Well, if you go into the gym and you train your glutes and your hamstrings, your entire posterior chain to work correctly and and appropriately because your trainer has taught you how to deadlift, how to hinge, how to do these movement patterns, how to lunge, to build that strength and awareness. Now when you walk, when you go down the stairs out of your chair, when you go for a run, your glutes and your hamstrings and your posterior chain, it just starts to work more passively without thinking about it because you are a few times a week thinking about it. So it just starts to work more and communicate better. There's a little less impact on those quads, a little less tightness in the quads. I don't feel as much in my knees. So strength training is not meant to be, oh my God, I started doing bench press. I can ride my bike so much faster. <laughs> it's kind of silly. But <laughs> You mean is, those two things won't connect? <laughs> no. Like you'll look cooler yeah. while riding the bike. But no, like, will it necessarily make you ride the mountain bike better? No, it won't. But it will set you up to go longer, go injury-free, and feel stronger without even, like, really knowing why you're feeling stronger. Well, okay, that's fine, you know, but, like, I don't want to get big. Okay, bro. So, <laughs> the people who get really big lifting weights, right, mm-hmm. are in their, like, teens and 20s. Okay. Like these, like the football player you see on TV that you're so afraid of becoming super huge, like he's also like probably in his teens and 20s. Okay. Like <laughs> we forget where these top level Olympians and pros are, you know? Yeah. Not only are they moving massive, massive loads, right? Like a lot of gyms, especially if you're working with a population from, you know, late 20s to late 60s, like we do at E3, we don't even have power racks. We don't have squat racks. Like, yeah. no, you don't need to back into a barbell weighing 400 plus pounds and squat it. Like, it's not going to play for you, right? But no, yes, picking up an 80 pound weight, holding it at your chest, and doing some squats is kind of similar to doing yard work um, in the spring or the fall. Like, the, they replicate things you do with common loads, right? You're not going to get jacked. Um, you're just not going to be on a strength training program that, that that's that huge. And if you're concerned about getting jacked, that tells me you probably don't have like uh, industrial sized containers of protein at home, so you're probably not fueling <laughs> right. at the level you need to build the muscle. You and can't build muscle I mean, from like, air. You gotta like to get big, right? Like for you the guys it. that get big, like it's you know you 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 see this stuff and it's like you know the 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 top of the top of the bodybuilding world. They're eating you know ten thousand, fifteen thousand calories a day just to fuel that growth, right? Dude, when I was so I'm 181 pounds right now. 
and I'm trying to get down to under 180 for the race season next year. My mm-hmm. wife's like, please, God, no. You're disappearing as we speak. <laughs> Not my legs, babe. Um, but at my top, I was 196. And I was 196 at like 4% body fat. So it was just jacked muscle. Yeah. And uh, the amount of food I ate. So my third meal of the day was my like official breakfast. And it was six eggs, four pieces of toast, and like a third pound of bacon. <laughs> Bro, I only weighed 196. Yeah. I didn't even break 200. But every time I ate eggs, it was six eggs. Yeah. Four pieces of toast and some bacon. Like... If you're putting, and that was my third breakfast, mind you, I'd already had. Yeah. Like ab- above that was yogurt and granola and some dried fruit in there. Above that was oatmeal with protein powder and peanut butter and granola. So, I mean, that was my third breakfast. You all hadn't even had like your second cup of coffee. That was my yeah. third meal. So right. to get jacked, you got to just. You got to focus food. on it, right? Like, but yeah. that's also got to be going to the gym and doing a 45 hit workout. Isn't gonna. You're not just gonna put ten pounds of muscles on. And and honestly, I this came from something like every dude wants to get jacked. <laughs> yeah, but most women don't. No, women or, don't. Women get afraid of that. They think, yeah, it, you're you're not going to. And really, when you talk to the guys about getting jacked, this is what I ask. I go, bro, if I could put an inch around your shoulders and your biceps, right, with muscle, or I could remove two and a half inches of fat around your belly, what would you take? Huh. More often than not, the guy's going to be real honest. Be like, oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'll take the belly over the... Yeah, yeah for sure. Because, yeah. you know, as the belly gets smaller, that thing yeah. looks bigger. So, <laughs> and... Uh, all right, let's move on. <laughs> so, not going to get jacked just from adding some weights into your... Yeah, you're not going to yeah, get jacked from adding not, some weights. It's you're ridiculous. Gonna, you're going to insulate yourself from injury yeah. and and just be a more well-rounded person, yeah. be able to do more, do some more. So, all right, um, this one's a question slash, like, inquiry slash, okay. And I thought, you got to struggle to answer this one, I'm sure. But fictional, okay, these are fictional. Who is the fictional consumer that you least look forward to walking through the front door of your bike shop? Um, okay. It, it, it's a real person. And it's a person. I had a guy... It's just people who they they just don't have an understanding and don't want to gain an understanding for what we do. We're a unique store. I get it. We don't sell two hundred dollar Walmart bikes. Um, let me let me so I I asked this question for one real quick before you go further into yeah. the explanation to validate the question. Um, it's a very it's like a culty style. Of, of store, bike shops, um, coffee shops, uh, the gyms, of course, too. But, like, they're very, like, you know that they have their niche little tribes. Yeah. And so when you, like, step into it for the first time and don't know anybody, it's the, the crazy intimidating. Mm-hmm. So I'm just asking this as, like, who's the person you don't want to be? Uh, you know, I, I'm going to be – and I don't – it's going to come off as, like, very, like uh, – politician on the campaign trail but like i'm super happy to talk to anybody that wants to talk about bikes in the store so there's not like yeah there's some like you know meth heads that'll stumble in every now and again and ask what we have for free those people can stay away for sure (laughs) it's happened it's really happened um and you give them like some catalogs for free and they're super stoked and they never come back um (laughs) but um i think the the most frustrating person that or the most 
frustrating character type that comes in is the person who wants to come in and argue with me about technology. My bike from X amount of years ago is just as good. It's not. It's just not. Right. Like subjectively, like there you it it's not. <laughs> Full stop. It's not. <laughs> and so then you come in with a combative or you they 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 will tend to come in with a, a slightly combative attitude defending their old thing because yeah. it's like they got an emotion with that thing and i tend to just be like yeah man that's great awesome but they want to keep going and and then because i care so deeply about what we do like i'm very passionate about the trade and the the sport and and just the bikes in general then when they won't let it go it tends to start grating on me and then things get a little combative and it, it, it it's not good for anybody because they leave upset because I'm like kind of trying to defend what we do here and they feel like I'm just trying to tell them that their whatever isn't good enough and that they need a new one when in actuality that wasn't the case at all. Um, I've stated many times before, you know, whether it was giving Roger a hard time for not using a dropper post or, you know, joking about uh, your Uncle Derek riding an old bike, like, you don't need the newest stuff to go fast or enjoy the sport. I'm I, I'm, I'm, not going to be that guy that insists you need something new until you start trying to tell me that your old thing is better or just as good as the new thing. And then you're just like, dude, you just can't. Yeah. I, no. No, it's, it's, it's not. Right. Like, <laughs> new Coke is not as good as the original recipe. It's just not. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, I mean, realistically, uh, I've, I've seen a ton of people. We did a really cool, I would almost, if there was such a thing in the bicycle world as a resto mod, you know, where you take a, an old chassis on a car and put it over all new shit. Right, right. Um, you know, if there was such a thing. I've done a number of those in my career. Um going all the way back to the early 2000s where somebody came in with a, a classic Italian steel road frame that was in beautiful condition, and we just hung a bunch of new parts off of it. Like That works. You can do that. At, at that time. To a point. Yeah, yeah. At, at, at back then, I mean, there, a lot, there was a lot of compatibility. Um, and then as recently as, you know, in the first season that we had here at base camp, um, a guy came in with a mid-'90s mountain bike, and he really just wanted to ride it. He's like, I'm, I'm not going to mountain bike a ton, but I want to ride it. And so we, you know, figured it out. So I, anybody that's excited about what they have and, and bikes, they're, they're welcome. But, like, don't try to, like, devalue what we do. Like, if right. it's not for you, that's fine. Right. Right? But respect the pro. Like, yeah. hey, we have some knowledge. Yeah. Going to respect it, you know. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's really just anybody that wants to come in and, and kind of be disrespectful about what we do and what we care about. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of, I mean, in fitness, we have the same thing too. We have a lot of these, um, you know, at home Google pros. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've watched 20 YouTube videos and I've read a bunch of reports on this. And I know that, so I, I know all the facts and you're just like, well, you know. Well, let's, let's do that one. Cause that is one of mine is, right. dude, I saw this dude on YouTube, Instagram, whatever, getting super sick, sick shape on their own. I don't need a trainer. I don't need to work with a professional. So that's a good question, and actually, uh, it's it's perfect timing because um, I was just watching 
a football game and they had the there was an advertisement for the mirror you know the mirror that's out now hangs on your wall um and it delivers you workouts on the wall i have not seen this you haven't seen the mirror no oh okay so the thing's it's, it's pretty pricey we'll try to pull it up while we're on the phone here um, yeah, i'll do it i yeah. got i got internet you yeah can pull, talk. It, pull it up so it's called the mirror um and i want you to see how much it costs real quick but basically it it mounts up on your wall, and and it's think of it looking like a big gigantic iPad, and you can do thousands, I think, of different style workouts on there. And there's even a trainer, and I, I believe that's camera. You can get right the fuck on out of here. How much is it? Fifteen hundred bucks for a smart mirror. Okay, it's a smart mirror, and uh, you know it watches you and it gives you feedback, can tell you what's going on. I'm not going to go into the specifics of it. Absolutely not. It's a real like it's at home competitor. So um, a buddy of mine goes. Dude, that's pretty. What do you think about that? And I go, okay, here's the deal. If you're self motivated enough to, you know, work out at home on your own at high intensity, you you don't need a mirror to tell you what to do. You don't need the P90X DVDs, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're self motivated enough, you're going to do it. But by default, if you are the comper- the consumer, the person buying the P90X DVDs, nothing against them, right? Great workouts, right? Or you're the person buying the mirror. If you're these people buying these things for at home, you're already admitting that you need motivation and help to go and do these things. Right. So if you're trolling Instagram and YouTube and you're watching a guy who got ripped on his own, what you're actually watching is a guy that cares so much about fitness that he's doing it himself. And then he's getting a ton of results. And then he realizes, like, I'm so fucking good at this. I'm going to videotape myself doing this shit. And I'm going to have other people watch me doing this shit because that's how good I got. Mm -hmm. And then I want you to ask yourself, in this moment of reflection, am I that person? (laughs) And if you're sitting there trolling this dude, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you're not. You're just not him. If you were, you wouldn't even be asking me that question. You would just have gone and been doing it. Would you roll like uh, like fitness apps into this same discussion? Yeah, I'm gonna put them all in here. Um, okay, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put there. There is a person. There's there's a degree of another person. You're motivated. You've been doing your own thing for a lot of years. You just need some new shit, right? Mm-hmm. And so, hey, I'm gonna get this app. It's gonna give me some new shit. That's cool. Or I don't want to think about it. I just want to have somebody kind of script it for me. That's pretty cool. I'm gonna outsource it. I'm just gonna get this app. So I travel. I'm gonna get this. I, you could probably use them in that way. Yeah. Not going to give you a hard time about that. But at the end of the day, it comes down to like your own discipline. And if you're disciplined enough to do those things daily, then you're disciplined enough to like run your own deal. But if you're talking to me about that, I already know you're not disciplined enough because you're trying to find an easy way. Oh, he did it on his own, which means he didn't have to pay for a gym membership, didn't have to come to this place. And have... Okay, dude, if you do 300 sit-ups, 300 push-ups, 300 squats, and 100 pull-ups, Every day, right? On your own. You don't ever need to go inside of a gym, right? Like to be pretty fine. Mm-hmm. If you want to go like next level and really work on some specific things, sure. But at the end of the day, like if you do all that, stretch a little bit, eat pretty healthy. I mean, it's not yeah. rocket no, science, it, right? It, it really isn't. And so we see these insta these insta hotties doing some like upside down handstand battle rope, right? And we're just like, oh my God, that person's got I'm gonna do that. And like you're just you're not. Like that's not, it's, you're not going to do it. I actually think the same way I was in the gym coaching this morning and we have a front TV. We, we don't have TV channels. Um, they all run like our heart rate data. 
Um, but we have a front TV that just kind of scrolls our program so you can understand what our programming is, the different classes and whatnot. And in the last few weeks or so, I've switched to putting Red Bull TV up See, there. I definitely have noticed that. It's awesome, dude. The adrenaline of it, it's sick. I'm, like, not, I'm not mad at you it. You roll any like, point of view camera of a dude ripping down like the Kahari Desert or something, like just like crushing on a dirt bike. It's pretty cool. So, But it's important to note that they're not in front of the cardio equipment. Like right. The TV's not in front no, of No, it's like in the entryway. It's yeah. like a vibe energy yeah. thing, right? It's like me having chairs in a little sitting area at the yeah. front of the store. <laughs> Same thing. Right. So I have it up there and I have skiing and the skiing channel is going today. And I looked over there and there's a big issue with like skiing movies or mountain bike movies, things like that. When you watch these, they're doing the craziest stuff, right? That's never going to be me. So sometimes I watch them and I get a little bit like, Aww. I mean, it's like cool, but I'm just kind of like, it's like adventure sport porn mm-hmm. and it's kind of out of touch for me i'm never <laughs> yeah. gonna do it that insta person you're watching is probably at it like go for it try it i'll well, see you in a month and honestly so from from you know a non not fitness industry professional you know you only see what you see on the camera yeah prove that they're not working with a trainer right like top tier people they're working with a program like fucking prove it yeah prove that they don't have a nutritionist and a dietitian and a trainer who's coming up with a program like you didn't just like grow up as a computer engineer and then all of a sudden fucking learn fitness programming right, it right. didn't happen right right um, there's a yeah what we always see right same with these videos i talked about you see the final finished like my entire career yeah. summarized into this like 80 second clip and it sells super well on i'll admit i even get sucked into some of them yeah i'm sure like they're fun though like damn that dude was that dude sucked and now he doesn't suck like awesome yeah um, i said to a, a guy we i got into a text debate with somebody just recently and i told them um the chick lost 50 pounds doing zumba that was her path She's mm-hmm. probably not the person that's going to be able to train you how to like fix your back pain through mm-hmm. strengthening your hamstrings and glutes, right? Like right. we all have a story. That doesn't mean that we can go and coach that story, right? And what works for you or them won't necessarily work for you and vice versa. And so um, somebody who's a little bit more educated, well-rounded and professional in the situation is better than just like that one journey because right? yeah. it just may not work for you. Sure. Yeah. So, um, And I just have to, to have to touch on... <laughs> When I texted you the link to that fit wall thing. Oh, dude. You know they're all over. I, dude, I'm, I'm not even going to tell you guys what it is. Just look up fit wall and then proceed to laugh. Yeah, or join them and, uh, <laughs> uh, and then we'll laugh at you. Yeah. No. All right. Moving along. Moving along. All right. So next question for you. Okay. Uh, this is actually, I, I want to steal some insight. Um, okay. I'm a, I'm an avid cyclist. I have a bunch of bikes. You see me all the time. Hell, I buy bikes from you, man. Um, but I just, I need to kind of, I need, I need to avoid coming here every freaking time I ride. Like every time I get done with a ride, I feel like there's something. What is the one tip you could give me for me to just, what's the one thing I can do to just help maintain my shit so that I don't feel like I'm coming in the shop every week for, for something for service. Like what's the one thing I should handle? Um, I think the linchpin to people not having to visit the shop that frequently is just like results in your place of business are based on consistency. Um, as far as maintaining a consistently healthy diet and staying on top of your workouts, 
um, we've I've seen this with a handful of people, um, and we in some instances we are just as guilty in letting them do it as they are in doing it, which is coming in for piecework, you know. Um, and I'll reference um, Derek. Um, Derek rides his ass off and he rides challenging terrain. And there have been some times where, and he's been super chill about it, but I, I maybe detected a little frustration in his voice because, you know, he was in on Tuesday and then he rode, they have their Wednesday night ride and he rode on Wednesday night and then he was back on Thursday with some other little thing. Um, and it's because he rides at such a high volume that we, we do patchwork. We do piecework. We come in, he's like, my brakes are bugging me. So we'll just do the brakes. And instead of us professionally saying, look, man, you have a couple of bikes or take a demo out, but let us get the whole bike right. We kind of end it, end up in this feedback loop of just patching this problems. thing and then this thing, and right. then this thing. So step one to not having to visit us that frequently is visit us in a meaningful way at least once a season, right? And by, you mean you mean like uh, get a full tune or something? Yeah, just like address, instead of just saying, hey, just this thing is bugging me, let, and, and I'm saying us, but let any bike shop professional look at your whole bike and say, okay, I know that you feel like the brakes are mushy, but I see that your bottom bracket bearings are grindy and your chain and cassette are worn out. And so based on budget, what can we do to, to get the bike super right? So that's kind of step one. And, and like I said, we're just as guilty in some time, some cases, because in, in the case with, with a guy like Derek, he's got a limited bandwidth to ride his bike and he rides a lot. And so we tend to try to turn it around quickly instead of us saying, Hey, you need to do this. So let's make the assumption that that customer is doing what they should, a, a real annual tune-up and not just chasing problems. After that, just keep the damn thing clean and lubricated. Right. Like, I mean, it really is. is I, I hate to say something as simple as that. And, hey, look, if you're, if you're a competent home mechanic, it's just like you were saying. If you do, you know, push-up squats and, and pull-ups right. and eat right, like, you'll be okay. If you're a fairly competent home mechanic and maybe just can't do some of the more tool-intensive stuff, just make sure you do that tune-up once a year. Um, and then after that, bucket of warm soapy water, soft bristle brushes, a gentle hose, and some chain lube. And you, you really, there's not a lot to it. I mean, they're not race cars. <laughs> right. They seem so foreign, though. Like, yeah. even, you know, um, there's so many times I've been around you know, I've gotten better because you guys have really like warmly embraced me here at the shop. And so, um, you've, I've, I've got to learn a lot. Um, but I'll have, you know, I have a friend that I'll be on the trail with or before a ride or, or on a weekend trip and something goes wrong. And there's like, I, they like pull their hands away from it. Like it just grew like three heads and started peeking vomit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, bro, it's not that big of a deal. It's a bent rotor. And yeah. so you just need to straighten it. Yeah. The shop can do it. That actually happened just last weekend to a buddy. And I'm like, dude, just take the wheel down to that shop. They're going to straighten the rotor out, you know, yeah. but we get like super freaked out because they, they look crazy complex. Yep. And, you know, lots of times, you know, even, even the cheap ones aren't cheap. You know, even the cheap mountain bikes are still three grand. Right. And so I think people, there's just a little disconnect um, in being willing to, to, to put a wrench to a $3,000 bike. 
um, or more. Um, but so I'll, I'll say, I'll, I'll give three tips just to minimize, um, annoying trips to the bike shop. Um, some sort of annual service to address everything. And then every handful of rides and it doesn't like, I know some riders that do it every ride. I'm staring intently at Justin <laughs> deep into his eyes. Um, realistically every five to eight rides, depending on how dusty or muddy or dirty it is, wash the bike carefully. Don't spray any water directly at it. Usually like a shower setting on a hose. Um, some sort of bike cleaner is good. Um, and then just some sort of soft bristle brush for the frame and the wheels, some sort of like an old toothbrush for all the, the grungy bits, scrub it down, dry it off, lube the chain, and then um, pass a wrench over the whole bike. And when I say that, I'm going to say this with the massive warning of don't try to make the bolts turn. Put the wrench on it and just make sure it doesn't turn. Right, like don't actively go around the bike. Try to make the everything tighter. What we're just checking here is that things aren't loose. Gotcha. So, um, tune up, cleaning, bolt check every five to eight rides. Cool. I think that'll go a long way. Because yeah. I mean, even in hearing that, um, you know, I, I'm pretty intimate with my bikes, and I know, like, oh man, that was a super chunky trail, and I was jamming on it. Mm -hmm. Like, I should check the the stem bolt. But I'm walking with a little bit more information than, than most people yeah and you know you're yeah, in you're in that. a unique scenario too where we give you pretty free reign to show up and pop your bike in a stand yeah and um, then just bug the shit out of you asking just, you guys like oh just, by the way i just took this apart i don't know how to put it back it, the bike's in half can you help me yeah. <laughs> i'm the king of like i'm the two-year-old that's learning to tie their shoes and you're like i'll just time for you real quick yeah, yeah totally um all right um, I'm kind of running out of stuff, um, but the la one of one of my last ones, um, and <sighs> you and I have discussed this before. I have a little bit of so social anxiety. I don't like if I'm in a social environment that's a an environment that I'm con you know comfortable in and familiar with. I'm I can do just fine. Um, the whole first part of my time going to E3 was just private class uh, sessions with Clint when the gym typically didn't have anybody in it other than you and other trainers, and that was it. So, I don't know, man. The gym seems a little clickish. I'm super worried that, like, everybody's worried about what I'm doing. Yeah. So, I can't speak for, like, a 24-hour where maybe people have, like, headphones on and they got their head down and they're doing their own thing. But I'm going to assume that what I'm about to say applies to them as well. Here's the deal. If you are, if you're at a barbershop, what are you trying to get? Trying to get a haircut, man. Yeah, if you're at the grocery store, what are you trying to get? Need some food. Okay. If you're at the gym working, no matter who you are, what you look like on the surface or whatever, you are to a point insecure about something. Sure. I, it's yeah. why you're there. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, even if you are... You're looking to improve something. Exactly. Which, by... And people hear the word insecure and think that means weakness. It does, it's not a weakness. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're vain or shallow or any of the ugly terms you want to put in there. If you're insecure about uh, or unfulfilled about a part of your performance, your physique, your ability, your whatever, 
you go and you work on that. And where you work on that is at the gym. So every single person inside those doors, and this is coming from the owner of one, like from the top down, if I'm in there working on something, there's something I need to work on. And guess what I'm focusing on when I'm there? Me. I'm focusing on working on that thing. And while working on that thing, I'm probably thinking that you see that one thing, right? So I own a gym and I'm at a ridiculously low body fat percentage, okay? But I also am concretely aware that my upper chest is less developed than some of the other guys in the gym, okay? And furthermore, I'm trying to lose more body mass on my upper body, which isn't really in line with like my vanity goals, but in line with my performance goals. Right. But that doesn't mean I'm not like a little self-conscious about that, just a little bit. So when one of the other members in the gym is blasting up 90-pound dumbbells, I'm looking over there and I'm thinking like, damn, about myself. I ain't even thinking about him. Now the guy putting those 90-pound dumbbells in the air above his chest has a gigantic belly, okay? This is a real person. I know who you're talking okay? about. He's got a huge belly. I love him to death. He's got a giant belly and he's blasting 90-pound dumbbells. Right. And what am I thinking about? Do I, I'm thinking about like my six-pack and my obliques that are shredded to all forever. No, I'm thinking about my little baby birdie upper chest and this dude's Jack Diesel right there. The first time I ever worked out with that dude was a strength upper workout. And I was all like, I was, you know, feeling Judgy pretty- as shit, I was you? super, I was like, I'm going to run circles around this guy. And he was just hammering huge weights. And running circles around you. Yeah. I was just like, what the- that, Eat this, your is, lunch. this is all wrong. Yeah. Um, so, so I get it, right? But yeah. like, we just have to understand that everybody in there uh, everybody in there is is feeling that exact same yeah. way. Yeah. No matter what, no matter if we got a head to toe matching Lulu outfit and we seem like we had our shit together, we seem like we know everybody and we're super outgoing, right? Like I'm super outgoing. Um, I'm super outgoing and I can't, it's exhausting, mm-hmm. right? On the outside, maybe you're like, oh, dude, this guy like super outgoing. No, it's exo- It's so energy taxing to me. And then I go home and I shut down and I ball inside myself <laughs> and, uh, and I come back a, a new person the next day. But yeah. Don't be fooled by what you see. No. Um, I think one of the, one of my, and you know, E3 is not an easy place to work out in, in that my previous experience of going to a gym was 24 hour fitness, Bally, whatever, where, you know, you're like, oh, I'll, I'll do some bench presses and then I'll, I'll, I'll go over to that squat rack and, you know, <laughs> it's not complex movements. So for somebody who, um, already has a little bit of like that. I don't want to, like, I'm worried about being judged. It it's ratcheted up to ten. If you have social anxiety, for me, it was ratcheted yeah, up no, to ten. I'm, you know, because it was just like these are complex movements, and I'm super uncomfortable in my own skin. How do I handle this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and you actually had. I mean, your the maturity you've gone through, the growth you've gone through. From that to now, it's wild. I, I don't even second guess it anymore. So I guess for me, it it was getting just to that that spot where I realized that at least at at a gym, and there are gyms where people are just there to to improve themselves and not worry about other people. And I think in a gym like E three, where people are super results focused, like there those workouts are hard enough. Like. I was doing uh, kettlebell on Saturday and it was like kind of a partner workout, but kind of not. And like, you think like you're going to kind of be paying attention to your partner, but when you're in it 
Like you're just like it's it's breathing and weights, man. That's all it <laughs> right. is, man. Right. <laughs> it's just right. like it's your own. You battle. know, you don't have time to to. I don't have time to think about the person across from me or a person to the side of me, kind of thing. Right. Um. So, you got any more for me? You know, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to. I want to scrape. I want to scrape the very last one out. Um. I still want to take this rare opportunity because how often do you get to just ask a shop anything you <laughs> want to ask them? Um. All right, I'm I'm gonna do it. Do it, because this stuff's like crazy expensive. It is ridiculously expensive. Well, okay, so how much is a set of new brakes? Bump, like just okay. Well, all kinds of three, scales. three to five hundred bucks. Okay, I want the nicest ones. I'm gonna get the nicest ones you're gonna get are gonna be five to six hundred. Okay, so I remember this. This happened the first time I did a one by conversion on my on my fat bike. Mm-hmm. So. I made all my bikes a one, or no, it wasn't my fat bike. It was a one bike conversion on my stump jumper. Oh, that, yeah. The, I had a, I had a that, stump jumper yep. FSR, a 29er. And uh, I bought it from, uh, I bought it from Wheat Ridge. Yep. And everything was going to one by like maybe a year. It was super fast. It was, Yeah. And it happened quick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I now have this like two by drivetrain, but everyone seems to have a one by. And I'm like, but I just got this. And it was my first, that was my first like, $3,500 level bike, which mm-hmm. now we're like saying, hey, it's kind of like the entry. And yeah. that's just because you're a good bike shop. Like yeah. you can get in you, for no, under you that. you can get in for under that. You totally sure. can. But if you stick with the sport, you're very quickly going to be like, man, I wish I would have gone just like one step up. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a good gateway under that. But this was my first, like it's $3,500. Like that was, it's super expensive to me. Right. I do the one bike conversion. And I, I remember I was driving to Jackson Hole uh, with two members of the gym. We were doing a ski weekend over Valentine's Day that our wives had bought us for Christmas. So that's the scenario. <laughs> so myself, two members, the, the three wives got together and bought us a weekend at Grand Tarhee in Jackson Hole, and it was over Valentine's Day. We kind of were like, dude, we have the best wives on the planet. And I get a call from Wheat Ridge, and they gave me the quote, and I couldn't believe my ears. Like I was, to move it from two to just one chain, like I'm going to go, you're taking stuff off. Like, like You're going to end up with parts yeah, left over. There's more metal for you to keep than for what I get to keep. <laughs> um, and I have less gear. And so I just remember getting the quote and I was like, how could it be $800? Right. And so the numbers get really big, really fast. Mm-hmm. In the first place that consumer myself and my headspace went to was like, dude, those guys are railroading me. I wish I had, I knew someone, I get a hookup, get a deal, mm-hmm. get a, are you, is, is it, are you really make, is it just like, are you guys crushing us? You know, like I hear like the, the, um, the cost of a pizza is like a dollar to make, and then pizza charges ten bucks. Like, yeah, it's a thousand percent markup. Is that like what we're talking about here? And I just want to like because I, f- you when you pay a bill that's eight hundred dollars for a one by drivetrain, you're like, dude, you just railroaded me. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's not. It's not making a you know, it's not a, a dollar pizza. It's not a fifty cent cup of coffee by any stretch of the imagination. Um. And oftentimes, um, you know, to kind of reference going back, um, you know, we, we've got a lot of competition as, as far as like pricing on the internet and perceived value, right? So if I have a thing in the bike shop and it costs 800 bucks and somebody can find it online for 700 bucks, their val- in their mind, that's a $700 piece. It doesn't matter what the manufacturer suggested that it cost, right? Like the manufacturer, they, they, they're to a degree in charge of pricing, right? So there's MSRP, which is manufacturer suggested price. 
Um, and then there's map. Map is minimum advertised price. And map is usually something that's used to kind of regulate online companies. And so um, online companies don't have to provide any value after the fact. Bottom right. line. They, they don't. They, they never see you again. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't say they don't care. That's wrong. Because um, they probably do. But um, they don't have to provide. If I sell you a derailleur, you know, so much of what I or what we do is one, oftentimes to kind of circle back around to why won't you install the parts for me for free? Oftentimes to combat things, to level the playing field against a, a, an entity that can charge just charge less because they can make it up on volume or whatever. Lots of times what we do is if you buy a thing from us, we don't make it, like we'll comp labor. Like, hey man, if you don't buy it online and you come in and you get it from, from us, we'll comp you the labor. Um, and so um, the margins, I'm not going to like try to play the world's smallest fiddle and say we don't make any money. But we make, an, you know, it's not a thousand percent markup. Right. Oftentimes it's about enough to cover operating costs. You know, right. like this is not the bike business, even though the, the sticker values can be high, um, the dollars made per dollar spent don't tend to be the best. Right. Um, and it's just, I mean, it, I'm not mad at anybody about it. And I don't, I think some, some bike shops might be that way. Um, it's just the nature of the business. You know, um, you own a coffee shop, you got to give away sugar packets. You know what I mean? Right, like right, you can't right. charge for every little thing. Right. Um, so yeah, the, the dollar amounts are high. Um, and we do, I mean, we wouldn't do it if we didn't make any money. Um, but it's not crazy profit. Like yeah, I just, somebody might think. I asked that because, um, I'd always heard like, uh, I always heard that the furniture industry was mm -hmm. like one of the largest markup industries like ever. Yeah. And um, I recently was in a car with a group of people and brought that up. And one of them in there actually, they're like family owned a furniture store or something like that. And they said it used to be, it used to be like crazy, but mm -hmm. ever since the internet, like that's not the case. Like there are no wild, crazy margins yeah. anymore. And I think a lot of it is just like what you don't know, you just assume. Yeah. You know? Well, and it's like the, the, the thing that people beat us up on the most is the bikes because they're the most expensive but those are the lowest profit center right yeah i read an article that i think outside or somebody put out an article like kind of exposing a bike shop and it was like you guys' margins on actual bikes were the lowest and then it was like parts and gear and apparel and shit and then like, you make the most money on the service because mm -hmm. it's just uh, it's time right yeah man yeah. so yeah and and you know the whole our whole business model and every every bike shop business model just operates off of trying to maintain a good average across all the categories. So we have we have low margin producing uh, categories like bikes, and interestingly, the higher the price of the bike, oftentimes there's a sliding scale of worse margin. Yeah. So a cheaper bike, people are like, "Oh, you just want to sell an eight thousand dollar bike?" Actually, I'd rather sell a two thousand dollar bike because I make more money on it. Right. Um. So on the higher ticket items, we tend to make less money. Um, so we're just trying to average across stuff that's good for cash flow. I mean, selling an expensive bike is good to have money to work with. Right. Um, and then labor and like bike rentals are the best for like earning actual profit and all the other stuff kind of falls somewhere in the middle. 
And then just across all those categories, by and large, we're just trying to like maintain a, a healthy average. Right. And that's it. Um, so. Yeah, I think, yeah. It's, it's kind of cool to hear it that way because, yeah, you do wonder. I mean, it's a lot easier to come in here. I'll, I'll flippantly buy a tube, mm-hmm. you know, or CO2s or whatever that are like small ticket value items. I don't think about what they cost. Then I see like a Maxxis tire and I'm like, $95? Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, I, I've obviously been doing it for a long time, but now in the role that I'm in, um, just trying to really learn how to to balance it so that everything works out the way it's supposed to. But no, I mean, and, and I I know of shops that don't observe MSRP and they do just um, mark stuff up to whatever they think is fair. <laughs> yeah, well, you do. Can, you kind of have that in like. Uh... Like if you're the only bike shop in a tourist town that's yeah, open past totally, eight o'clock, totally. Like, what's the price? Whatever I want yeah, it to be it's at this. It's like, yeah. it's why your soda is six dollars at the movie theater. Yeah, right. It's access. Yeah, I've <laughs> so. heard of uh, I've heard of shops that are in captive markets where you know. So, let's say a bike is supposed to. I'm just going to make imaginary numbers, but let's say a bike is supposed to sell for two thousand dollars, and that dealer's cost on it is fifteen hundred bucks, because they're in that that captive audience market type thing. Um, they'll just say, well, no, it's a $3,000 bike. You're here. Find another one. Right. Um, so I, I won't say that there aren't shops that kind of just do their own thing and Hey, do it at your own peril, in my opinion, right. um, or your own success. What do I know? Um, but you know, we're, I think our, our philosophy here is we would much prefer to just be fair, right? And have somebody who wants to come here for a long time than get a big hit once. Yeah, and I think the term fair is cool. And I think this episode just turned from like the questions you want to ask your bike <laughs> shop or your gym into like uh, kind of back to I think the ethos of our podcast, which is uh, is community. Yeah, where it's fair is a fair is a two way street, right? Yeah. So like. I'm just, this is it's like top of mind because it happened today, right? Yeah. Um, fair or not fair, the top membership at E3 is 300 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. You get unlimited you get a semi-private lot training. You get unlimited large yeah. group training. You get unlimited body comp testing and nutritional support and on-point consults. And like you can literally email or text our coaches anytime and get responses. Like You have full-on staff support for the whole month, right? Yep. It's 300 bucks. It sounds really expensive. Um, as we've been talking, I just get an email. And in my email, our, our, so our hot water heater, uh, apparently the wiring to the blower motor went on the fritz, right? This happened, I left town Thursday for a bike race. It happened on uh, Thursday afternoon. I had a plumber go there Friday that did work on it in the past. And he goes, dude, it's fine. It's the wiring. You had to call an electrician. An electrician comes today, right? Electrician came today, charged me like 156 bucks. He's there for nine minutes. But you know what? The hot water heater works. Mm-hmm. So I don't really care. But he said... I kind of did like a short-term thing. We need to get this new motor. I'll send you an estimate. I, honestly, as we've been sitting here, I just got this estimate. And I, I fortunately, I've been chewing gum because I just puked in my mouth. <laughs> and it tasted it tasted like gum. Um, and so I get the full estimate from this guy. It just comes through. And to do the repair, you're, you're not even going to. He's saying the repair is going to be 
$4,066.91. Can't you just buy a new hot water heater? Replacement draft-induced. Well, this is like a commercial hot water. It's uh, massive. It's massive. Replacement draft-induced fan. He's, he's telling me it's going to be 4000 Okay, so just going to tell you right now, E3 might just have cold water because that's a that's just an impasse right now. Yeah. But ultimately, that can't be the case. We're going to have to fix this, right? Eventually, it has and to so get fixed. Maybe it's fourth. That will never, ever be trickled down into like the member fee, right? Right. So like in your industry, right? Like stuff is going to happen. Like unforeseen crazy stuff is going to happen. Yeah. And part of like running a business is that you will slowly churn a positive moving entity along. And at times you'll get like, I just got this massive whack. But because you're doing a fair valued thing, you will be able to probably handle that mm-hmm. and keep the thing around. If you want me to cut out, like if you want me to make... Our, by the way, our lowest price is 99 bucks a month, and it's phenomenal training, large group, and cycling, and you get unlimited classes, so it's not expensive. But um, if you all did just that membership, I probably wouldn't be able to pay a $4,000 water heater <laughs> bill, right? right. Um, but if you wanted me to make it $50 a month, or you wanted to get the top big dog price for like 200 a month, when that bill comes, like that's I'm going to close. It'll close. It'll close shop. Right. And oh. then you won't have the place, right? Yeah. Same with the bike shop. Like, you, how many times do you have people come in that do buy from you? But sometimes, how many times do they come in and just ask you questions and shoot the shit? And oh man, all the time. Cheer up some. I like, mean, and and we've we've fostered that environment for sure. Right. You know, like we've we've tried to make a place where people can just come and shoot the shit and ask random bike questions. Um. But yeah, I get what you're saying, man. You know, so. It comes down to community, you know, which yeah. is why we got cool people that come to our places. But that's fun. I wanted to ask the questions that you know you don't want to ask when yeah, you walk and in the shop. I hope it came off like I, I I had fun doing it. I hope everybody enjoyed it for like just kind of a light little yeah, end man. of year episode. Yeah. And if we'd missed a question, like if you have a burning question, like dude, I always wanted to ask this guy, why is he thirty six with a mohawk? Like whatever <laughs> you're like, is it because you're on the gym? But, no, but like if you had a question about either. Um, the gym or the bike shop that you wanted to know about burning question, um, shoot it to us. We'll answer them. We'll yeah. have fun with it. Yeah. So no ride around.com there. There's a way to contact us through there. You can hit us up on Instagrams. Um, we do have a Facebook page. I haven't done a thing with it, but it exists. So you can look us up there as well. Um, and then I think, um, by the time this goes out, we'll still be running our Tinker Juarez grip competition. We sure will. So if you want to get these signed Tinker Juarez grips, so his branded grip with his signature on it, super cool. Uh, you got to shoot us a picture on Instagram, tag no ride around, tag three of your friends that would benefit from no ride around. Make sure you do follow us and we will pick the one we like the best. Yeah. Sometime in January. Yeah. We'll arbitrarily decide who we think is the coolest instagrammer out there so put your cool stuff out there all right happy new year guys thank you so much for all the support um it's been a massive year and uh more fun stuff to come in 2020 see you guys You're weak! You're done! So get...